Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. And on today's show, we are discussing the dynamic, the dominant, the 3-1 New York Rangers who have gotten their season off to a nearly flawless start through four games. We always talk about the vibes with this team, but they, they truly couldn't be better. And that's coming off, you know, pretty much a full season of, of immaculate vibes. We'll touch on that. We'll, we'll go over some of the... Uh, key performers so far for the Rangers this season. We'll also maybe mention some names that uh, haven't really needed to be mentioned, uh, such as Igor Shesterkin. Um, and, and there's just a lot of great stuff to talk about. So Becky and Dave, welcoming you guys in. How are you feeling on uh, on this Thursday uh, as we get set for the, the Rangers and their reunion with uh, former head coach David Quinn later today? <laughs> oh, my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I forgot it. I forgot it was Quinn. Wow, San Jose is bad, and he's San Jose, right? Yeah. No. Yes. 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 Sharks. Yes. Okay, and he's just not playing the kids, and we're seeing what Kako and Lafreniere can do when they have an actual NHL coach and not whatever the hell David Quinn was. And I was a fan for the first year or two, but. Man, he just doesn't get it at this level, and he's going to get booed mercilessly. Yes, I hope the Rangers, and I'm sure they will play some sort of video, because to your point, Dave, he served a role in this organization, which is not an easy role, right? Going through the early stages of a rebuild, trying to bring along young players while remaining somewhat competitive, and I think the Rangers should be credited for for going about it that way. And of course, luck was on their side with the ping pong balls and they got the uh, second and and first overall picks with Kako and Lafreniere. And look, it it took time for them to develop. And now we're seeing what they've become. And it's just really absolutely incredible how how both of those kids have become bona fide top six players. It's a huge part of the reason uh, for this team's success. But uh, yeah, it was a strange, the last season or, or two under David Quinn w- was, was kind of strange. And, and obviously it was the shortened COVID year that everything came to a head, but Becky, it also shows you how far this team has come from, you know, basically the end of the Quinn era, which was Tom Wilson broke the Rangers to this current <laughs> version of the team that we're watching. I mean, yeah, again, I was, I was the same. Like I kind of gave Quinn a good amount of, leash for lack of better term but um yeah that should be really fun to see him come back and look I also think it's not like night and day like there are certain I I don't necessarily think that young players are not without like they should at times be benched to kind of see the game from you know a more holistic viewpoint they I, I get that I'm fine with that but to just let them rot on the bench or in the press box. No, thanks. <laughs> no, yeah. Thank he still bickled them for a while. And <laughs> you know, the difference is Stu Bickle wasn't good. Poor Stu These though. Guys are top two picks. <laughs> he was so <laughs> handsome. That, that picture or that image of him just sulking on the bench going, I've played three minutes. It's a triple overtime game. I got fresh legs. I can do stuff. And Torch is like, yeah, nah, I'm good. 
That was so fun. <laughs> One of my lasting memories from the David Quinn era actually has nothing to do with a hockey player. Well, it sort of does, but it was when Larry David happened to be on the Michael K show and the Rangers had been <laughs> oh, in some God. game. It's an incredible clip. It's just so good. Uh, and, and, and Larry David is a, I didn't know this, but he's kind of a diehard Ranger fan. He was clearly watching this midseason game. I think that it was, it was a Western Canada game too. So it would have been on, it would have been on late, at least in, in New York time. I know Larry is an LA guy now, but he ended up going on the Michael K show with Don LaGreca to, to promote something. I think he was doing an appearance at the 92nd street. Y, the new season of curb, whatever it was, but he was, you know, quite literally breaking down the game. And, and so in the, in that game, Kako had scored a goal. I think he might've even had an assist, but then he took a bad penalty and Quinn benched him. And Larry David was livid as was most of the fan base, because, you know, that was one of those games where you're like, all right, that was Kako's rookie season. He started to get going you know, the Rangers were kind of in it. That was the the COVID year, right? Yes, it was. It was the 2019-2020 season. And Larry David was apoplectic in, in, in that way that only Larry David can be. It's a really funny clip. It's out there on Twitter. I'm sure you can find it. We could tweet it from the pod account, um, you know, maybe uh, when we tweet out the show uh, on Thursday. But, um, but yeah, it, it just was such a strange time to be a Ranger fan because you're coming off nothing but seasons where the team is trying to compete and win a Stanley cup. You know, then you go through the first couple of years of that rebuild, which were tough, but, but, but as, as we, we all agree, I think Quinn did a decent job, but once they started to acquire better and better talent, it became clear that he didn't really have the tools to manage that type of talent. Um, and, and, you know, that, that was ultimately his undoing, I think. Um, well, any other thoughts on Quinn? But other than that, I was going to say maybe we move on and talk about this current team under Gerard Gallant, which is an absolute buzzsaw right now. I'd rather talk about the current team. It's much more fun. <laughs> so to that point, this Ranger team through four games has been, I would argue, dominant. I use the word at the top of the show Um for I would say 85 to 90 percent of the minutes that they've been on the ice, and I, that's all situations. Uh, the power play's been ridiculously good, even better than last year. Trocheck has has fit like a glove, but the five on five play is really what I think is not only turning heads uh, with among the Ranger fan base, but is now starting to turn heads around the league. And I think a lot of people who might have thought, okay, Rangers, nice story, but young team got hot, but probably going to take a step back this year. I think a lot of people are reconsidering that stance. Um, Becky, what are your thoughts through four games? And and do you think that the Rangers are a more legitimate contender now than they were a week or two ago? I mean, I think it's hard to say because it is only four games. And so before we all got like super excited about it, um, like right, come back down to earth. But that said, the underlying numbers over the four games have all been good, even in the loss. Um, and that's really encouraging. And I think they, you know, I mean, they played Tampa and Tampa's not like Tampa beat them in the playoffs last year. So that was Tampa's just a very, no pushover. Yeah. T- that was a very satisfying win. Um, I think I'm more, I, I, I mean, I'm obviously very excited about this start. I would want to be one in three and looking like shit. So this is definitely super exciting. Um, and a lot of stats 
strictly stats people are pretty excited too so like we can all get along now like that's very happy like it's a it's a good time it's a it's a decent time right now um I will say like it's really fun to watch them just completely dominating play they're dominating in all at in all facets and like you said Trochik really fits like he was a player you never wanted to play against. He was a player you like dreaded when you knew you were going to play. And now he's a ranger and he's having a good time. And that's just the best. So I'm happy. I'm really excited for the game tonight. Uh, Dave, I, I feel like I ask you some variation of this question every week, but is is there maybe something that this team isn't doing particularly well right now? And and again, not to be raining on a parade or anything like that. And by the way, you know, we we tried to keep it positive last year, even when, you know, the Rangers were struggling early in the season and getting bailed out by Igor. We obviously enjoyed the hell out of the playoffs. We always try to keep it positive, but let's try to be objective fans here and let's, you know, let's uh also critique the team and and come at this with a level head. And Becky, you make a great point. It's four games. Stanley Cup is not won in October. Nobody's popping champagne right now. So, Dave, yeah, maybe we could take that angle a little bit. Is there anything particularly that stands out to you that they, that this team does not do particularly well, an area of, of improvement uh, that they can maybe focus on as they build their game here in the fall months of the season? Can I give two things, one that shouldn't be an issue and one that we might want to keep an eye on? Yes. The one that is not going to be an issue that – people are going to look at soon is Igor Shesterkin's slow start. 905 save percentage. We don't have enough games to really look at some of the advanced metrics yet, but it's a 905 save percentage. And we saw it in the game on Monday night against Holy Anaheim. Anaheim. I just blanked on that. Wow. Uh, where he was giving up goals at bad times, the Rangers were up three, and he'd give up the next shot on goal. And that was surprising to see. But that's not something to really worry about. He'll be fine. He'll be a 920 goalie. There's only four goalies from last year that were a 920 save percentage. He's a top five goalie in the league. He's the best goalie in the league, but he may have the numbers of a top five goalie instead. Oh, darn. Second one's so penalty one. killing. Hmm. Okay. So I am waiting forever to for Hockey Viz to join to load, which is it finally loaded. I was killing time being very, very uh, wordy with the first answer. Um, in it's only twenty three minutes of PK time so far. The Rangers expected goals against per sixty is ten. And that's 20% higher than the league average and way worse than last year. Hmm. So that's something to keep an eye on. And, yeah, I know we have some shorthanded goals, shorthanded chances. And, again, it's only four games. But it is something to look for. It's something that we covered a couple of times on the pod and on the site where there's room to optimize the penalty kill. But you don't want to do it right now. You want to wait till things settle. Remember, they are still missing Ryan Carpenter for a game. They're getting into the swing of things, but it is something to watch. It is. I think that's a good point. I did not. I was not aware of those um, those metrics as it relates to the penalty kill. So that does bear watching because their penalty killing was very good last year, and it wasn't all Igor. It was a lot of Igor, especially early in the year. Um, 
Speaking of Igor, I'm glad you said his name. And, and, and the reason I am glad you said it, Dave, is because ironically, you know, we haven't we haven't said it that much on this podcast over the first few weeks of the season because the goaltender has not had to be the headline grabber at the end of every game. And I know I have said in moments of exasperation throughout the three seasons we've been doing this podcast that I just want to talk about a team where the goalie isn't the main focus all the time. And that's obviously no disrespect to Henrik Lundqvist, even to Alexander Georgiev when he was the starter and playing pretty well. No disrespect to, uh, you know, uh, to obviously to Igor, no disrespect to Yaroslav Halak, but the Rangers have been since the Henrik Lundqvist days, especially a goalie centric team and a team that has basically operated under the uh, structure that the goalie needs to be the best player. And if everybody else is good enough, then we have a decent chance to win. And that was the case. They had decent chances to win, but as we know, they didn't get it done. And that was largely because they weren't good enough either defensively or in general five on five. So far this season, the most encouraging thing to me is that the goalie does not have to be the best player every night. They are, and the Anaheim game was just ridiculous to watch. And, you know, Becky, I think, you know, you and I were watching that game together. Uh, and I, I would love to get your, uh, you, you to share some more of your thoughts on that game as well uh, in this, you know, in this context. But the level of domination over Anaheim, which is a young, growing team, but it's certainly not a, you know, I don't think they're a bottom five or bottom eight team in the league. Maybe they are, but they certainly have some top end talent with Zegras. They, they they have pros like Klingberg and Strom and Frank Vetrano, obviously former Rangers who have oodles of NHL experience and are bona fide NHL players. Troy Terry's a very good player. Uh, I, Max Comtois is, is is an interesting kind of middle six winger. They have some guys, is my point. And and they were, at, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday night. They were giving the Devils all they could handle, and everybody loves the friggin' Devils. The Rangers made them look like an AHL team for 52 or 53 minutes on Monday night. It was one of the most incredible displays I've seen by a Ranger team. That may sound like hyperbole, but um, and Becky, maybe bring me down from cloud nine here. But (laughs) it was dominant. And it was to the point where, yeah, Igor let in four goals and you were like, okay, this game was never in jeopardy. Yeah, I certainly wasn't concerned at any point, um, even though I guess. Now that I think about it, like the score was closer than it felt, but I don't know. I was never, I was never concerned. And also I will like, like I will ride for my guy, Igor. Like he is no slander is tolerated here. It's just not like the man's amazing. And it's, it's hilarious to me that it even comes up and I know we have questions about it later, but like. It's so funny to me that this stuff comes up when Henrik stood on his head for literal years and the Rangers could eke out like two goals and he'd have to like be a fucking hero. And then he would lose in the playoffs and everyone would be like, oh, we failed Henrik. Well, okay. So if Igor doesn't have a godly season like he had last year and just has a very good season instead, like Dave was saying, then what? And like they win because their offense is actually good and they can defend and their like their power plays out of this world. And what does he also still need to be like completely unbelievable and like the best goalie ever? He might even still be that. But anyway, my point is. I think I've reiterated this a few times <laughs> because Rangers fans are just so special, but like. 
you if you really are like if you could find something to be really like gravely upset with right now I I don't even I don't even know I don't know what to tell you like go outside and touch some grass or something like I I just don't know what to tell you <laughs> they're just playing really well yeah and it's I mean again I think you know for the purposes of of, of a show like ours that again finding areas to to critique and focus on is is just part and parcel of of talking about the team but for sure. I mean, the again, just the, you mentioned the power play, Becky. I mean, that is currently, and it it won't stay this hot all year. I mean, it's clicking at a thirty three percent rate. They could probably. Finish I don't know. <laughs> you, I don't really, know if yeah, it's going to disappear. They're right now fifteen point four five expected goals for per sixty, eighty three percent above the league average. <laughs> it's not are, just the shooting yeah. percentage. It is. They are the difference is they're moving. They're not just static mm-hmm. and trying to feed Mika. Yeah. They are moving. And that's the difference. As long as they stay consistent, I don't think that power play is going to dip any bit. I think Look it's going to be how many weapons the they best have. power play in the league. Look at how it's many absurd. weapons they have. It's wild. And I like everyone was saying this on Twitter too. Like we used to like dream. Like you told us even like, I don't know, six, seven years ago that this team would be like the power play would be great. It People would fucking laugh in your face. Wasn't that Lion King meme or something? It was, you you know, what's a power play goal? I don't know, son. We're (laughs) Ranger fans. And it was like Mufasa and Simba staring at the sun or something like that. (laughs) It uh, it, it's incredible to watch. And, And what a great point, Dave, about the movement. I mean, look at the two of the of the goals. Now, the third one was was Mika slap shot from his office. Great stuff. Uh, and and never get tired of that. And that's a play they can always go back to. But the first goal, the, the tap-in uh, Trocek goal, or as Sam Rosen said, the Frank Vetrano goal. Uh, <laughs> long me. live King Sam Rosen. Um, that tap-in goal was incredible movement uh, off the puck. Two uh, cross-ice passes connecting. Trocek has a tap-in. And then the Mika goal, you know, Mika basically ended up at the point. Trocek ended up behind the net. And Mika crept in from the point. No one saw him. Trocek made a great no-look backdoor pass. Mika roofs a shot. That type of movement, Dave, and, and this is why I think, you know, we may all have been underestimating Trocek's skill and versatility, right? Because he went from a bumper position down to the corner where maybe a Panarin might find himself and became a playmaker. And Ryan Strom, very good hockey player and a good passer in his own right, but did not have that versatility on this power play. So you add... You know, not just a guy um, like Strom who is facilitating from the middle of the ice, but Trocek who can go anywhere and score and make plays. It's it's unguardable. I mean, it, it really becomes a, um, you know, a, a, a pick your poison situation for the opponent. And that's a critical piece here. First off, I want to just call myself out. I was a thousand percent wrong about Trocek as the bumper. He I thought he was just a net front presence of him but from the scouting reports he was just a net front guy he it, it the, the power play hasn't missed a beat and they're better because of trocek at the bumper spot they have what four guys that'll shoot yeah defend that like you were saying you guys were saying you can't defend four guys that are willing to shoot and now you have power play two that didn't score on the power play, but scored. Yeah. It's the kid line, which it's the yeah, kid. yeah, it's, it's the, the kid, kid line. line. And you'll have Kravtsov back on that line. 
hopefully. And I'm assuming it'll be Truba babysitting them for a little bit, or uh, not babysitting, chaperoning. <laughs> yeah, until term, somebody like becomes of age and Zach Jones can relieve Truba of his chaperoning duties. <laughs> Zach Jones and his whole like 21 years of age. <laughs> the, the, Jones is the oldest. No, Kravtsov is the oldest one. <laughs> um, I also I think it's really interesting that it took Trocheck a whole I don't know two games to like assimilate into that position. <laughs> He's probably like this fucking rules, guys. Well, the best decision ever. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He also, but that's a really good point, Becky, because a lot of players struggle when they first come to New York. It took Jacob Truba a season and a half to adjust, and. Now we're seeing him at, at 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 his best, right? For his age and his role, he's been rock solid. He looks com- he looks as confident and comfortable as he's ever looked in a Ranger uniform. And oh, by the way, he's wearing the C, which has been a little bit of a curse. Not to you know make a bad pun or dad joke or whatever there, but it's been a bit of a of a, it's been a heavy crown for the player who's worn it, other than Ryan Callahan. I know we, we we've discussed this previously, but Truba having no problem with that. Um, and the other thing that, that stands out to me, uh, you know, oh, well, sorry, just to finish the point on, on Trocek, he's he's fit in right away. And and not only on the power play, but even five on five seems like Lafreniere was a bit of a missing piece there. You know, he's playing right wing. Yes, there's some level of discomfort there, I suppose, for him. And maybe the coaches aren't 100 percent comfortable with him in that role. But that line is really dynamic offensively at five on five. Um the other thing that, that I did want to bring up, and, you know, we, we opened the show talking a little bit about David Quinn, but it is so evident to me watching the Rangers now in the second year under Gerard Gallant, just how well coached they are. I mean, this is a team that everybody understands their role. Everybody understands their the, the team's style of play. You know, there there obviously are, are fewer communication breakdowns. The team gives up some chances. You know, they've given up a few They've given up some scoring chances in bunches, which I think is the thing that they harped on a little bit after Monday night's game, even though they won going away really six to four. Um, they did give up a few too many grade A chances uh, when they got lackadaisical in the third, but they're so well coached and everybody is generally in the right spot. Even the way that the fourth line is playing, I know I've noticed a few times like impeccable puck management, getting it deep, not trying to do too much with it. You know, the skill players taking chances at the right times with playing smart at the right times and dumping the puck in and going to retrieve it. So there's just such an ease of uh, there's such a almost a simplicity to their game as a team now. And I think that traces directly to Gerard Gallant, who sure, he's going to have some old school hockey man blind spots. But, man, he's he is a hell of a head coach. He knows how to get the best out of his guys, which. When you have this level of elite talent, you need to know when to just back the fuck off and let them do their thing, and that's mm-hmm. what he's doing. That's the exact opposite, and I hate to go back to this, of what Quinn did, where he was trying to coach skill out of the skilled yeah. players. But when you have this level of elite talent in Panarin, Zabanajad, ridiculously good talent in Kreider and Trocek, and what could be elite ta- talent in both of the kids, I mean— let them do their thing. Let them play. Yeah. Just stick to your forechecking system and stick to your defensive zone system, which the forecheck has been unreal. And they'll be fine. And that's what he's doing. That's what he did last year, too. He just let them kind of do. And that works. So big also, Becky, for the kids to get going. So Kako gets a goal. 
kind of a, kind of a not, I don't want to call it a lucky one, but a greasy one, right? He deflects the <laughs> shot. It goes off the defenseman's skate after the initial save by Gibson. Lafreniere scores a beauty for his first of the year after having a couple of primary assists in the Minnesota game. So them getting off to a, a good start, I think, is is huge for their confidence. Heedle's okay. doing well. He's got had an assist as well. It's funny. I like always forget there are certain players that I just like forgot that they're just large people like in general. Like, you know, Chris Kreider is a huge like he's like a giant. Like you just know he's a behemoth. Like Sabanajad, I always forget he's like tall. Kako, though, I like can't believe probably because he has such a baby face because he is such a baby. Um, I just like can't I never remember that he's like just huge like he's, he's just huge. he's like a fucking mountain, you know, and that line is actually just enormous. Like having Kreider, Mika and Kako on the same line is just like it. They, they're just like ridiculous. It's it's talent. It's skill. It's like a bunch of just very large fast skaters. It's great. Yeah. And Kako's learning to use his size now at, at the NHL level. I, there are usually three, four or five shifts a game where he dominates the puck and, and yeah. whoever's defending him cannot take it away. They just physically are unable to push him off the puck or get their stick around his body and get it away from him. It's, it's, it's amazing to watch. And also, you know, great from a confidence perspective that he feels, even though he's playing with two of the top players on the team, he doesn't feel the need to defer to them. He's like, mm-hmm. I, I got this guys. I'm going to hold on to this puck. This is mine. And we're going to get some offense out of this. So and yeah. kudos to Kreider and Zibanejad, too, for for because, you know, I think what happened last year and, and there was a little bit of of chatter about this. I know um, when Kaka was playing with Strom and Panarin, I think that Strom in particular was a little bit uh, upset that Kako had the puck too much. Uh, I, I think he was a little bit more like, hey, man, move it to us and you go to the net and you get open. And, you know, and, and there was those rumblings about Strom, you know, maybe having gone to Gallant and saying, like, ah, Kako's not the right fit for our line. Um, and they obviously went out and got Cop, who was a good fit. But, um, you know, look, I, I I thought Strom was a good ranger and, and all that. But, you know, maybe there was a little bit of, a, of just a little bit of disagreement there and discordance that, you know, ultimately hurts the team. Right. Because now Kako, again, playing with two fantastic players in their own right, has been incredible. Um, and obviously his individual game has taken leaps uh, already in this short season. Um, one last thing I wanted to just ask both of you, Dave, first, what'd you think of Sammy Blay in his first game back after 11 months uh, out with the ACL repair? It's nice to see him back. He brings an element that I think the top nine was lacking, which is just a guy that'll get in on the forecheck and just throw somebody into the boards and as long as he doesn't take himself out of position, I think his numbers in his first game, again, one, I hate one-game samples, but I think his possession numbers in the first game were pretty good. So Very, yes. He uh, had the second-best uh, on-ice expected goals on the team at 5-on-5. Five five. Oh, so they were very good. I mean, very good. If he can just contribute on the third line in a sheltered role with what is most likely going to be Hedl and Kravtsov, Give them the Puglia-Zuccarello-Brassard treatment, which we keep going back to as the ideal third line. Give them that kind of deployment. They're not going to be slouches defensively because Hedl and Kravtsov are much better two-way players than people give them credit for. Hedl has, is the best player on the team in face-offs right now. Things I never thought I would say. <laughs> and 
all of a sudden you have a team that can, uh, sorry, a third line that can pin the opposition in their own zone, and it gives you the ability to move VZ down to the fourth line with Goodrow and insert player here. And now you got a shutdown line. Yep. Blay is a needed person on this team, and as long as he can continue to do even half of what he did in the first game, that in his first game back, he'll be fine. How about you, Becky? What were your any impressions from Sammy Blay? Honestly, I didn't. I didn't have any impressions um, other than the whole team to me just like the looked really cohesive and great um, in the ozone. So I I didn't really kind of notice him, which is okay. Like I'm also not the most <laughs> I'm not the most attentive sometimes, so it's okay for um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But Overall, I think what's exciting is that putting him back in the lineup, first of all, that he he recovered quickly, right? So it wasn't like, uh, God, we just I just think about last year that he was injured and it was like, okay, he's done literally forever. See you next season. Um, that he didn't really, it took him, it, it again, did not take him a long time to like get back into the groove of things and not, he didn't look like he was slow or tired or anything like that, which is great. I know he wasn't, out for very long but with him Dave you say it all the time he's like a sneeze away from being out for the season um it's just I hope I'm wrong by the way I, hope I know I know it's not like but he has not, an injury history yeah. there's like there he are does. some there are some more fragile athletes than others like my favorite one of my favorite athletes is Jacob deGrom and he is a fragile fragile human being so it's well this apparently Blay is also fragile emotionally because I think he blocked all of Ranger's Twitter and then just deactivated like three Honestly, hours Honestly, I want to block all of Ranger's Twitter half the time. <laughs> I cannot imagine being an actual Fair. Ranger and seeing some of the bullshit out there. So good for him. I, I, I know that he blocked me, but that was probably because I made one too many jokes about the sister tweet or whatever the hell that was. I think it was an Instagram yeah. comment. Yeah, well, and also, you know, look, hey, maybe it's just a guy who doesn't want any distractions. And, and I think... You know, yeah. to that point, and we'll close this out and go to the questions next. But there is a very, and this is always a good a good sign when when you have a team like the Rangers who has one goal in mind, which is the Stanley Cup this year. There is a very business like approach to this team. You know, again, last year was fun. I think they got they got wrapped up in the emotion and the momentum, especially in the springtime, and that helped them and that made them fun to root for. This team is still fun because it's just a really well-built, exciting, fun team and a good mix of personalities. But there's a very business-like approach with this team. I mean, even in the comments post-game, every single player plus Gerard Gallant, they were all saying, hey, look, we can't be winning games every game six to four. We can't be giving up four goals. We got to focus on our defense. Yes, this was nice. Yes, we, we played, you know, and Gallant put it perfectly, too, because he wasn't dumping on the team after a win. But he said, look, we played awesome. We played a great game. But got a little bit lackadaisical in the third. We can't lose focus. We've got to finish games better than that. And that's the perfect balance to strike as a head coach early in the season when you're trying to build towards something. So, uh, look, I, I, and, and and to that point about Blade deleting his Twitter, I think maybe this is just a guy, Dave, that sure, you know, there's some weird stuff out there. And Ranger Twitter, we know, can get pretty bizarre and pretty negative at times. Um I think maybe he just said, you know what? I don't need this stuff this year. I'm just trying to focus on my season, have a good season, contribute to this team, and win another Stanley Cup. Because, oh, by the way, that guy was on the ice when the St. Louis Blues hoisted the Stanley Cup a few years ago. So it's not like he brings nothing to this team 
in terms of experience. He was a young player. He, he didn't play too many minutes, but had a couple of goals for them in that playoff run. And he knows what it's like to, to go on a, a long championship run. So um, all that said, welcome back to Sammy Blay. And I think, Becky, it'd be a good time to jump into our fan questions. I know there were a bunch because people are fired up. All right. So full disclosure, friends, my computer is literally on its like nine and a half, ninth and a half life. So I'm looking on my phone right now. So if I miss your question, please at me and yell at me. That's okay. I apologize. I will look at, I'll look on. The I have it open too. Yeah. So we okay. can all open on my desktop. look after each other. Awesome. That's so nice. Um, okay. If you want to just at Becky and yell at her, by all means, go for it. You could do that. Honestly, I haven't been on Twitter.com like too much over the last week or so. And, you know, I could use some engagement to get me back into it. Um, okay. So this person, I literally never say your name right. Or maybe I always say your name right. And maybe you should at me. Okay. So <laughs> Anthony Cacchioli, am I saying this right? At Cacchioli 25. At this point, would it be surprising if Zabanajat and Panarin didn't put up 100 plus points each this season? No, I'm not going to be surprised if they don't do it. It's tremendous. Sorry to jump right in on that. 100 points is a lot. I don't think we appreciate how much 100 points is. Maybe Panarin will get there. I don't think I'm not going to be surprised if one doesn't hit it or neither hit it. Uh, I mean, I'll disagree with you on Panarin because I think he looks like a player on a mission and he was on pace during that 1920 season. And I think that's exactly what he looks like to me this year. Maybe even better than that. If you, if that, if that's possible, he was on pace for, he would have been close to the Yager record that year. I think he would have been right up around 120 points. Um, I think he's got a hundred point season. I mean, he's already got 10 through four games. Yeah. As a Banajad, you know, maybe he's looking more at a 90 for 95 point season with 45 to 50 goals, which would be absurd. I, I'll say this. I think he's already trending towards he could be the 50 goal scorer this year. We had Kreider last year touch 50. I think Mika could hit 50 this year. So um, it would not be surprising. I kind of agree with you, Dave. And if we're talking about the framing of the question here, but um, certainly both those guys are off to tremendous starts. Yeah, I mean, lest we forget that in 75 games last year, Panarin had 96 points and he was quote unquote bad last year. So <laughs> I think we should, I, I would be surprised if Panarin doesn't hit a hundred. Um, again, like I agree with you, Rob, that I think he's like a man on a mission right now. Um, I also, you know, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if Mika didn't cause he is a little bit streaky, but the thing about him is that he gets so many points on the power play. So he may not like, again, last year, right. He had 81 points in 81 games last year, but he didn't have 30 goals, which is really surprising if you like think about what his shot looks like that he has. He can have games where he scores five goals. Um, it feels a little like just feels a little strange that he's not against like he's only had 30 goals once in his career or twice in his career. He had 40 once. Um I think he's capable of it, but I, I think I expect it from Panarin, but I, I do definitely think Spanajad is capable. So I'm not having a Dave reaction to it where he's like, no, no one's going to get 100 oh, points. No, 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 100 no, no, points no. The is question, hard. No, no, no. The question was, would you be surprised if they didn't do it? I would not be surprised. Okay. 
That's fair. They'll, don't don't twist that as me saying they're not going to do it. Okay. Well, I do think you think they they're going to do capable. it? A uh, Panarin definitely. Uh, Zibanejad. <sighs> goal scoring is fickle. Well, this yeah. isn't goal scoring now. Again, like. But you need goals in order to get to 100 points. Zibanejad um, is the primary shooter, so it can be fickle. Um, I think Panarin will do it. I think Zibanejad will be a point per game. I think he'll be in that 82 to 99 range. It's pretty good, though. Yeah, I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Built to Spill, our fave, said, what's the best spot for Kravtsov to re-enter the lineup when healthy? And who gets bumped, i.e., who is moved off their current line, who comes out of the lineup, and if it's the wrong player, who should come out of the lineup? So we're, like, really getting into it here. Built to Spill's, like, got a real a real question. Yeah, um, I was going to say, this is a real question from him. <laughs> so what is, let's let's start with, what is the best spot for Kravtsov to re-enter when, when he's healthy? Uh, I'll go first. It's it's almost assuredly the third line somewhere. But I will I will take as I as I usually do the slightly unpopular opinion here and 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 stump for it a little bit. I don't think Vitaly Kravtsov needs to be. I'm not saying should or should should uh, should be or shouldn't here. I don't think he needs to be an everyday player this season. And I think Becky, you put it beautifully earlier, where sometimes with young players, a few games off, watching from the press box, et cetera, can be helpful. I think that. Um, you know, people don't like to hear this because they, they they just uh, they don't look at hockey this way because it's not as strategic a sport. It's more of a free flowing sport. But there are probably some matchups where Kravtsov would do really well and would thrive. And there are probably some games where, yes, I'll say it, Ryan Reeves should probably go into the lineup or Dryden Hunt should probably go into the lineup or Jimmy Vesey should get that spot on the third line because the Rangers are facing a more uh, offensively uh, dynamic team. So maybe they want to have two shutdown lines in their bottom six. But point is, is that the coaches think about these things in terms of strategy, matchups, et cetera, a lot more than folks on Twitter do. And, and a lot of people are guilty of this, plugging a bunch of guys into a cap friendly chart and checking their expected goals metrics and being like, this is the best lineup, play this lineup. That's not how real life works. I think there's a scenario where Kravtsov's ideal role on this team is a spot starter, you know, more than 50 percent of the games, but a spot starter, third line scoring winger in the right matchups. And that will enable him to get some confidence, hopefully get some points on the board, and then grow towards a wider role in the playoffs, a la the kids last year. It's basically trying to condense the Lafreniere and Kako experience, the sort of up and down thing that they did over their first couple of seasons, into one season this year. That's my thought on Kravtsov. Disagree if if you'd like. That is not the answer I thought you did. Okay. That escalated quickly. Um, Okay. Yeah. That did escalate. Boy, that got out of hand. Brick killed the guy. <laughs> so essentially, Rob, you you wouldn't really answer, or you kind of really have answered the second, third, fourth, and fifth parts of the question. Um, but Dave, I guess for you, who would get bumped um, out of their out of their line right now? Who leaves the lineup? And if it's the wrong player, who should come out of the lineup? In your opinion. So we have to factor in Carpenter coming back as well, because that does matter. And apparently they're both on the same track. Uh, As I wrote on Wednesday, 
I think the easiest answer, leave top six alone. Mm-hmm. Kravtsov, Belay, and Heedle are your third line. I think we covered that earlier. Uh, not going to go into much detail there. But the fourth mm-hmm. line, it is very clear Dryden Hunt is destined for waivers. Um, that is, and I'm going to throw shade at Ryan Strom here. That is entirely Strom's fault because everybody's tired of him because he was so miscast as a second liner last year because Strom advocated for him over Kako or the rumor <laughs> of that. And this doesn't have to make any sense. It's just me throwing shade because that's what I can do. Um, but Hunt will get waived. Who should come out of the lineup if Carpenter's back is Reeves, who will come out of the lineup. Probably Jimmy Vesey, who has been easily the best Rangers defensive forward so far to start the season. Interesting. What do you think, Becky? Where are you putting Kravtsov? I want to hear your answer. I'm putting Kravtsov on the third line, too. A seam. Like, Heedle, yeah. Kravtsov, Blay. Like, I, I just think that makes too much sense. And I think I agree with God. I agree with Dave. This is a weird Ew. day. Yeah. Ew. Who are but you? I, but I will say, I do think that I don't think, or I hope, maybe I'm trying to project slash manifest slash whatever that Gallant won't like die on this hill that Reeves has to play every day. Um, because love a Reeves, like I love the Chesty release us, obviously, but um, yeah, you know, just he's he's obviously the one that should come out. So anyway, I I agree with you, Dave. Weird days, weird times. Yeah. Should I go buy a lottery ticket? Maybe. But, like, if you win, you have to split it with me. Thank you. (laughs) I'll give you a nice high five. Is that a high five with, like, a couple hundred dollar bill stuffed in your hand? Bottle of scotch? Mm. All right. Moving on. (laughs) So Negotiating me never winning the lottery, by the way. I, I know. Immortal Lou says... Do you have any, and we have to ask this question too, like, and actually Lou got a lot of slack in the comments, like in the, in there's, there was like a thread and I really don't know why. I think it's a fair question to ask, right? We talked about it already, but do you have any concerns about Igor not looking like Igor in his last two starts or is it an aberration and you're confident he'll be back to full form soon? Um, I think this is a fair question to ask. It's a good question. It's a good discussion to have for sure. So, um, you know, be kind, rewind, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think we kind of went through this, right? Does anyone have any kind of comments they want to add to what we said before about Igor? I think all I'll say is, yeah, he'll absolutely be fine. Not worried at all, especially if the team keeps playing like this in front of him. But also, I think that it's possible that that thing that most goalies say, and maybe you, you know, again, especially a guy like Steve Valaket, who also does have the uh, data to back it up, He often says the more shots a goalie sees, sometimes the better he plays. And we know Igor has had no problem handling ridiculous volume of shots and also quality of shots. And I'm certainly not suggesting that I want to watch the Rangers give up 40 shots a night. I've had enough of that for a lifetime in the last four or five seasons with this team. But I think there's a definite possibility that he might play better in the games where he faces a lot of volume and he might give up a few more goals on those games like Monday nights where they gave up 19 or 20 shots on goal. I think that, look, he is standing in his crease for minutes on end. He could be reading the New York Times or, you know, whatever the uh, Russian equivalent is or, or, or you know, whatever. But 
Um, there is no Russian equivalent. I just realized. So that was a bad analogy. But he could be he could be reading the hockey news back there. And, and then, oh, shit, I've got to face Trevor Zegers on a breakaway because the Rangers couldn't defend a three on two. Uh, shit. Goal. So <laughs> that's a really hard oh, thing shit. to do. That is a much harder thing to do than I think people realize. And let's just give the guy a little bit of time to to, to get into it. I'm I'm not worried at all. A, because of his talent, but B, because I think he's going to be fine when, when called upon because there will be games this year, no matter how good the Rangers end up being over the course of 82, where they're going to give up 35, 40, 45 shots in a game. All right. All right. Our very own Russ at RustyHeart38 asked, who has impressed you all more to this point in the season? Oh, this is fun. Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, or Keandre Miller? Do we have to answer that? Can I just well, say yes? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I personally think it's Kako for me because I just had not, I don't want to say lower expectations because I didn't have like bad expert. I didn't think he was going to do poorly or anything, but I just, you know, he's already producing and I think that's exciting, but truly they're all rock stars. Like Keandre Miller is a fucking absolute stud. I can't believe all these all these players are so young. Yeah. Like it's a very good problem to have to figure out how to lock them up. But anyway, I'll give it to you, Dave. Sorry, I think I cut you off. No, no, I was trying to. I don't even have an answer. You said Kako, so I'll go Miller, and we'll leave a laugh for Rob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Miller, we knew that he was already better than Ryan Lindgren. And he's the best left-handed defenseman on the Rangers. But uh, he's quite possibly one of the best left-handed defensemen in the conference right now. And he's not going to put up these gaudy numbers because he's not getting power play time. He's not even getting power play two time. That's to Zach Jones and Jacob Truba. But he could definitely quarterback a power play. I just He's doing all of this without getting any additional time to run up the numbers. He's just – and he's new to defense. How do you do this? <laughs> I can't believe that. It blows my mind. How, how is this possible? How are you this good and that well-dressed? And so good-looking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking – Yeah, he's a good-looking dude. No, he's a good-looking dude. <laughs> but honestly, I mean, it's it's like unbelievable. First of all, just incredible athleticism. And secondly, like he's just so smart. To yeah. be able to read the game, you know, it's, it's, he's just, blessed. he's like a blessed human. That's all. Yeah. Incredible hockey sense. And also just the, the physical ability to basically go from standing still to full speed and two strides and be able to make up ground when guys do get past him. Six foot four. So six foot seven or eight on skates, long reach, all that stuff is wild. Um, I, I said this about Simone Biles, Michael Phelps, all these elite tier athletes that we watch at the Olympics um, Usain Bolt, all these guys. I said they're aliens. Keandre Miller is an alien. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, uh, just on, lastly on Lafreniere, I mean, he just, he not only looks like a number one pick with the moves and the ability to handle the puck in tight spaces, again, scoring a goal Monday night, a couple of absolute artistic uh, primary assists in the game against the Minnesota Wild last week. He's also a really physical player. So, you know, on a line with Panarin and Trocek, who's, you know, obviously Panarin's a smaller player. Trocek's not that big, a little bit of a pest. 
Lafreniere is a, a big dude in his own right. He brings a physical element that, you know, this is why scouts and 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 the quote unquote 200 hockey men fell in love with him because he was supposed to be the total package, a true power forward, right? Great skating ability, great scoring ability, hands, moves, all that stuff, but also hits, also four checks, um, steals the puck in the neutral zone and starts to rush the other way. Has a little bit of Rick Nash in him, but uh, also has, I think, way better hands than Rick Nash ever did. And Rick Nash was obviously an incredible goal scorer in the NHL. So you're looking at, and I think Lafreniere is the guy out of out of any of the kids that the Rangers have in their current system or on the current team um, that is capable of being a point per game player. He he's very well could be in the next couple of years a 60, 65, 70, even 80 point guy. So um, yeah, really uh, exciting to watch him. Awesome. Okay, so we still we still have two more questions well four more questions from two more people so um nick d and i can't read this um shot scoring chances and goals at five on five is the thing standing out to me the most after four games all encouraging a couple of questions so the first question is one do you think this team can sustain this early five on five success and two if there's an injury on power play one who's the first replacement for gallant situational um so let's start with the first question. Do you think this team could sustain the early five on five success? Yes, without a doubt in my mind. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's down to all those things we talked about earlier with the kids taking a step, the top players being motivated, the coach, uh, the coach's message getting through and everybody buying in and there being just nothing but comfort across the board. The team is just extremely well built. Every line complements the next line. Dave, I mean, this is something we've talked about. They, they're they truly rolling four lines now. So the ice time is getting a little bit more evenly distributed at five on five. So, and they come at you in waves. They do that thing where, you know, it would happen to the Rangers all the time where you'd be like, okay, this is the third shift in a row in our zone. This is the fourth shift in a row in our zone. And it doesn't matter which line goes out there. The first through fourth lines can all do that. So that to me is a sign that they can sustain the success Again, you might want to see them clean up defense a little bit, but I, I think that's something that'll be a work in progress throughout the year in a good way. It'll get better and better. So their defense, even strength defensive metrics, I'm not including the Anaheim game. I haven't looked, but their expected goals against per 60 through all of last season was 2.53. This year, it's 2.54. Right. And so that they were slightly below average defensively last year, right? But not not like a tire fire. They were middle of the road defensively. But with this offense, if they're putting up, you know, three goals a game, expected goals four per 60, they'll they'll be fine. It's like what Luker always says. You just got to be good enough. And the Rangers are well beyond good enough. So I wonder if maybe that's something we can talk about next week. Because I do like when I hear like 2.53 expected goals against what is is middle of the pack. I'm like, really? Like there are some really, really good defensive teams that yeah. don't score. Yeah. Boston is up there with, as one of them. Uh, there are a couple others. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's also five on five, right? So you're talking about games where. Yeah. 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 It's not okay. always 60 minutes of five, you know, so yeah. there's a reason. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of, a, yeah. Okay. So. All right. That's a good call. Um, okay. 
So the second question, if there's an injury on the first power play, who's the first replacement? I guess it depends. I mean, he said situational with a question mark, right? And I just said it depends, but. I don't know if it's situational. So the way the power play rotates and the way we're seeing them move, I the easy answer is obviously Lafreniere, and it'll most likely be Lafreniere. You can have Panarin and Trocek, if they're two that are still there, rotate around the bumper net front. You know, you could find somebody. If it's a Banajad, Panarin will go to the off wing. If it's Kreider out, Trocek will go to the net front. Mm-hmm. If it's Trocek, Laugh will probably be fine as a bumper. I haven't paid much attention to power play two in their setup because they get 25 seconds a game. <laughs> but um, I actually am going to focus on that tonight against San Jose to see where Laugh is playing because it's going to be him. And it really does. I don't think it's situational based off of who gets hurt. I think it's where people play that situational. Yeah, yeah, unless it's Fox, right? If it's Fox, then it's going to be a defenseman. Oh, now, yeah. I would argue that what better opportunity for Zach Jones, right, to get confident yeah. and, and really showcase his skill. But what they will probably do is put Truba there. Yeah. And actually, yes. that would be a problem because yep. Truba's not very good. Even on the second power play unit, you know, he's back there as a bomber. He just winds up and takes slap shots. Uh, <laughs> it's Tyler's favorite thing on planet Earth. Yeah, uh, it really is Tyler's favorite thing. But I disagree with you there. I don't think Truba will be the guy. Wow. Okay. I I don't know. I could I could see just Gallant going. Okay, Trubes has got that, and we'll put Jones on power play too. Um, but I I, mean, I think you know, it'll be Keandre. Wow. I, I, I don't know about that. I don't know. Questionable. I, I think it should be Jones because it should be. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's a good point. I you know. First of all, let's let's just all knock on wood and hope that Adam Fox remains healthy. Because yeah, seriously, you know, don't let's not uh, put this. You know, he he also, by the way, three assists on Monday night and is gonna be just he's basically just a lock for seventy to eighty points as a defenseman, which is ridiculous. Like I, I don't think people, you know, it's funny the way people talk about the Rangers. Like they have so much elite skill at the top of this lineup that you actually lose track of some of the talent especially now with the kids ascendant, right? So Fox just is sitting there getting 75 points a year and is like under the radar, which is insane because the only other guy in team history that was ever that good was Brian Leach. And Fox is just doing that now. And it's, and it's, it's, it's a given, which is great. And, and, you know, let's let Adam Fox fly under the radar because he's an incredible player. Yeah. I don't really have much else to add to that. Um, I do want to say, I guess that I hope that Zach Jones remains in the lineup because i am really just <laughs> we're done really with fucking done yeah um okay and last questions come from jess jessica lynn 312 and she said um oh this is a really good question so the first one is outside of igor who is the most important player on the team i love that question oh, it's really hard to that's answer a good question but actually, when you were just talking about, God forbid, Adam Fox were to get hurt, I'm like, oh, and so maybe that's my answer. I don't know. See, it's really funny because you could obviously argue for any of the top five, you know, players on the team, any of the elite guys. But then I think, Dave, you mentioned this in our chat during Monday night's game. The only stretch of game where the Rangers played bad was when Trubo went out mm-hmm. with the uh, he went into con- con- concussion protocol. 
And I think if they lost him for an extended period of time this year, it would have ripple effects on folks, uh, on, on players' confidence. I don't know why I said folks there. I'm in, like, work mode. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> on players' confidence, on the vibe in the room, to use the V word. Um, it, it would throw the defense into flux because then you're – whatever. Uh, you have to mess up all the pairs, basically. Um that would not be a welcome injury, even though, look, we know Jacob Trouba is not a perfect player, but he is a very, very important player to this team. So you went Trouba. I am going to go Panarin. Okay. He is easily the best, the most skilled player on the team. You can't lose your best player and expect to have a competent team especially when he's the one that drives a lot on the power play too it's got to be to me if, if you're going true i'm going with panarin becky is your, are you sticking with fox yeah okay uh so i just want i pulled up high x numbers off of the first game God before, fucking we damn it, dude. <laughs> before we get to jess's second question jesus christ dude his expected goals four percent in the one game he played was thirty four point two nine. Yeah, that was the that was the Winnipeg game, which the Rangers actually played pretty well in that game and just ran out of gas in the third period. So the game itself was a fifty fifty <laughs> split in Corsi and the Rangers had a fifty two to forty eight percent expected goals for advantage there. So Hayek is just awful. <laughs> Wait, I'm, He's like, laughing, though, just because you're, like, well, the Rangers just ran out of gas. And I'm, like, I, too, ran out of gas as I was asleep for the third period, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, no, Hayek's garbage. I just, I, I like, I hate to say that because I typically like to use the words trash or garbage about people who are, like, fundamentally terrible human beings. And I just don't know enough about Libor Hayek, but I doubt he is. Um, But it just... If I could have, like, a fucking guarantee written that, like, he is only our, like, in case of emergency, seventh D, and, like, if we have a long-term injury, you're actually just going to, like, look to trade and get someone else, like, then that's a different story. But um, (laughs) the New York Rangers are a magical, mysterious team, and we don't know that. So, anyway, second question and the last question of the night, and it's a fun one. Which celebrity would you most want to see during a celebrity sighting at MSG? What a, it's a great question. Yeah. So I saw that question and I spent way too much time thinking about my answer because I had no idea. Uh, I'm going to go Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. I like because he, he would bring Blake Lively? Well, or Hugh Jackman. That rivalry is still amazing to me, but he's just hilarious. And I think he'd do something funny and he's Ryan Reynolds. He's awesome. Becky, can you actually give everybody a little bit of context as to why Jessica asked this question? I mean, I think it was because Joe Goldberg was there last night or I'm sorry, on on Monday. So Joe Goldberg slash lonely boy, um, depending on what you know him from but his real name is Penn Penn Badgley yeah yeah from you and actually hilarious so I'm forgive me I'm like a very uninvolved football fan in general and I don't watch the Giants but I guess Thibodeau was there and they showed him they showed um Penn Badgley separate of him but he was also like legit like lurking behind him behind (laughs) Thibodeau for his 
and uh, you know, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but like lurking behind him during his celebrity sighting. And everyone was like, look out behind you. Because if you've ever watched the Netflix show, you. Oh, that show is is just evil. It's not terrible. It's actually wildly entertaining and super campy, but. Oh, um, I love the show. It is just mean. Yeah. It's terrible. And it's scary at times for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. But anyway, that was a great sighting. Joe Goldberg. Wait, who's your, wait, who's yours, Becky? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't the so, fucking slightest. I don't know. So, you got to pick one. I, I Like, who do I get excited about sightings? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Why don't you go? Give a I'll girl go. a minute. I'll go. And, and I, he's been there. So I think, you know, that, I think that's fine. That doesn't disqualify me. Mentioned him earlier, but Larry David, the fact that to me, I just love thinking about the fact that when he's not doing anything else, Larry David on a on a chilly, if he's in the New York area, especially on a chilly winter's night, is putting his feet up, putting on MSG and watching the Rangers. Um, Because I I, I, obviously he was always been very public about his uh, baseball fandom. You know, he is a he's a big Yankee fan. Jerry Seinfeld's a big Met fan. Obviously, they play that uh, brilliantly in, in in the show with George working for the Yankees and Jerry being a Met fan. Um, but Larry, not only being a Ranger fan, but knowing the game, knowing the sport, uh, it is just it just makes me laugh. I think that's amazing. And so I, I think you know I'm sure he's been, I know he's been at the Garden for playoff games before and other games, but that that would get me pretty jacked. I'd say Larry David. Guys, I really don't know. Oh, come on. I mean, the Mets, like, I was going to say, like, he's not a celebrity, but I would love to, like, run into Steve Gelbs at a Ranger game because that's a I, good one. I but he's not a celebrity. He's not a celebrity sighting. What about like, Keith Hernandez at a Ranger? Game? I mean, could you imagine Keith? First of all, he's in Florida. He doesn't he doesn't hang around New York for the winter. He'd probably be like, I want to go home. It's 930. Um, I don't know. I need to just listen. I have to think about this. I'll get back to you. Also, not celebrities, but I do love, and this brings me back to my childhood, really, but I love when, because it happened a lot in 94 and in those mid-90s years, I love when Knicks players are at Ranger games. And I know Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly went to some Ranger games. Um, You know, back in the day, Anthony Mason um, went Mm -hmm. to Ranger games and he wore a jersey and, you know, Messier brought the cup like the night after they won it. The Knicks were in the NBA finals. I mean, just me being a big Nick fan, I know that's not the case for a lot of folks, uh, but um, seeing that crossover inside the garden, if both teams are ever good again at the same time, truly good, contending good, like imagine the type of ovation like RJ Barrett might get or Jalen Brunson might get. So that I think would be really cool as well. The cross sport stuff gets me, I, you know, is yeah. Uh, yeah. That's always fun. I mean, that, that was fun too. Like in, uh, in the playoffs that like met both the Mets and the Yankees came to Ranger games. Like that was yes. fun. Yeah, that was, that was great. Yeah. Lindor and those, they, those guys, you know, Lindor talked about it the next day, mm-hmm. judge and Rizzo. And I think LeMahieu were there for one playoff game. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I need time guys. I need time. I'll get back to you. Don't at me. All right. We're, we're, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe next week we'll come back to that one. Um, all right. So we're gearing up for the David Quinn return to MSG. And I think the Rangers have a few more home games 
this week. I think their next three games are at home. So, look, you want to keep banking points. They did it last year when they were not playing well. This year, they're obviously off to a much better start in terms of the on-ice product. But the the goal remains the same, right? Get as many wins, get as many points as possible, um, and see if you can keep the hot start rolling. Because adversity always shows up. The NHL is a difficult league to win in. Um, you know, at a, at a, at a ridiculous clip, you know, there's very few teams win more than 52 or 53 games in a, in a year, right. Even the best teams. So, um, we'll see how, how the Rangers, you know, if they can sustain this and what it, what it looks like, um, Dave, Becky, any final thoughts before we wrap up? I'm still loving these vibes. <laughs> oh yes. yeah. A vibe, a quick vibe check. The vibes are immaculate. Yes. Oh, yeah. And my, my final thought is. Eeyore will be fine. Uh, so with that, thanks everybody for listening and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again next week.